Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted to sample the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I'm on a journey to heal and get better in all areas of life. And I want to do it with you. Welcome to Heal Squad by Maria Menunos, where we improve and heal all parts of our lives, most importantly, our health. Heal Squad by Maria Menunos, your life improvement series starts now. Basic principles of the work so people can kind of understand what it is. Because yeah. it's not just meditations. No, I mean, I mean... I think the most important thing is that we're in a time in history where it's not enough to know. We're in a time in history to know how. And, and what I venture to do is take sound scientific information. I think science is the contemporary language of mysticism. I think science is what allows us to demystify that process. And if we talk tradition or religion or culture, it divides an audience, but science creates unity. So, my job is to build a model of understanding that people could reason with based on science and, and bring in as many different branches of science for them to understand it intellectually, theoretically, philosophically. But the application, the personalization, the demonstration of that knowledge you know, is, is, is getting your behaviors to match your intentions and initiate something. So my interest is to get people to go from thinking to doing. Right mm. and and to demystify the process so that people have within their reach all the measurable tools to begin to apply them to their lives. Okay, so so it's a really simple thing. Um, you know, your personality creates your personal reality. That's it. And your personality is made up of how you think, how you act, and how you feel. So. If you keep thinking the same way, you keep acting the same way, you keep feeling the same way, everything stays the same in your life because nothing changes in your life until you change, right? Mm -hmm. So turns out if you keep thinking the same way, making the same choices, doing the same things, creating the same experiences and feeling the same emotions or responding to your life in the exact same way, um, you keep doing that, your biology tends to get more rigid, uh, we fire and wire the same circuits. We hardwire our brain, and, they, and it only takes a small stimulation or a small thought or a response to someone or something. And like a sequence of thoughts, it's, it just turns on automatically. So, so your biology, your, your neurochemistry, your neurohormones, your genes, your, everything stays the same because you're the same. So crisis and trauma is always the thing that gets a person to really start looking at, how do I really change, right? So, 
So we want to tell people, let's not wait for that. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's learn and change in a state of growth and inspiration. So, so if you keep doing those same things over and over again, the middle life period, we, we become very, very programmable. So in order for us to change, we have to become conscious of how we think. We have to become really aware of how we behave, what our habits are, even how we speak. Now, this is a tough one. We have to really look at the emotions that we live by every single day and, and say, wow, this, this actually could be unworthiness. Uh, this could actually be guilt. But if you're too busy with your cell phone and your social media and you're too busy with your kids and running around, and your environment can distract you from these feelings. So my interest is to get people to retreat from their lives, right? Just for five, seven days and, and remove the constant stimulation in their external environment that reminds them of who they think they are as a personality. To separate themselves from the people they know and the places they go and the things they do at the exact same time. And then fill their brain with knowledge and information and then remind them that they're actually creating their life. So if your personality creates your personal reality, and that means then if, in order for you to change your personal reality, you've got to change your personality. So the, one of the basic core principles of our work is really uh, this concept of change. And what is change? How do we change? Why is change so hard? Because mm-hmm. we the, all say it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> change well, is hard. I is. used to say that too. I'm like, Kevin's so good at changing. I'm not good at changing. <laughs> it turns out I'm really good at it. Yeah. Once, <laughs> once you know how yeah. and you understand the formula... It gets very simple to really all of a sudden sit with yourself long enough. This is what I want people to do. I want them to sit with themselves long enough that they can become so familiar with, the word meditation, to become familiar with. To become so conscious of their unconscious thoughts that they don't go unconscious of them in their waking day. You know, that belief like, I can't, why can't I change? Or why is change so hard for me? Mm-hmm. To become so aware of how they speak how they act, if they blame, if they complain, if they make excuses, if they feel sorry for them, if they judge other people. I want them to sit with themselves and look at those programs to become so conscious that they don't default and go unconscious again. And then, and then sit long enough uh, with those emotions where you really don't reach for the cell phone now and you're curious to see what's on the other side of it. Or you're given a tool to help you get beyond it, right? If I give people numerous opportunities to overcome themselves, because that's what it is, mm-hmm. and numerous opportunities to connect over and over again. Sooner or later, it's going to start to create some movement. So then the person should then, in that place called the unknown, start thinking about what thoughts they do want to fire and wire in their brain. And with intention and attention, when that voice is saying, I can, it's too hard, I'll never change, this becomes the louder voice. And that voice and nerve cells that no longer fire together, no longer wire together. Okay, so if I keep that up, I can install hardware that can become like a software program, which would be like the new voice in my head that says, Maria, you actually can change. It's not that hard. You, you actually prove that to yourself by getting beyond that thought. There's something on the other side of it, right? That's called the unknown. If you closed your eyes and thought about how you were going to be in one day, just with your family, with your relationships, with your job, with your coworkers, in traffic. How are you going to be? Like, what would greatness look like? If you took the time to really rehearse those scenes in your mind, you would do the exact same thing as thinking about them. You would begin to install more hardware, priming your brain for the act. 
to cause your brain to look like you've already done it. That's what the research shows. So I want people to remind themselves of who they do want to be and get very familiar with it. Fire and wire, fire mm-hmm. and wire. And well, then and focus equals feeling, right? So if you're focusing on it nonstop, you're going to start to feel it. Which is the next thing. And the last thing then is, which is the toughest part for people, because we've been programmed and hypnotized into waiting for the event out there to occur to take away the lack or the pain that we feel inside of us. So the event produces the experience of when the wealth comes, when the relationship comes down, I'm going to be happy. Well, turns out you got to feel it in order for it to happen in the quantum. So if we can teach people how to self-regulate their emotional state, right, and feel the feeling before the event, the body is so objective that it doesn't know the difference between the real-life experience that's creating that emotion and the emotion that that person is fabricating by thought alone, the body's believing it's living in a new environment. Well, the research on epigenetics says it's the environment that signals the gene. Okay, well, the end product of an experience from the environment is an emotion. So when people are embracing these emotions ahead of the environmental experience, they're signaling genes ahead of the environment. They're actually, they're actually their gratitude is actually healing them. Their wholeness is moving them back towards health. Um, their empowerment is taking them towards success. They're, they're generating abundance. They're feeling more worthy. Uh, and, and, and it turns out when we measure what happens, there are dramatic biological changes that take place in one week that actually suggest that that person is literally living in a new environment and they're in a ballroom. And there's not a lot that happens in a ballroom. And I keep saying to the scientists, where are those chemicals coming from? <laughs> Where are they coming from? Where are they coming from? They're not, there's no exogenous substance that the person's taking to make these wonderful proteins and these wonderful enzymes and all these metabolites. It's coming from within them, right? So then I think the big thing, Maria, is that people do the best with what they think is available. Mm-hmm. So if you don't know that you can heal yourself, you'll make the choice that everybody else makes. And there's nothing wrong with that. But we have such great evidence that suggests that you actually can because we have great evidence and testimony. We have people doing it mm-hmm. with all kinds of cancers. We talked to them this week. Yeah, and, and we, I was in Panama last weekend. We had a woman on the stage who had a severe cancer, no ounce of cancer in her body anywhere. We had another one on the stage this weekend in Denver same exact thing. It was, it was all over her body, tumors. She's a physician, up and down her spine, nothing. Oh, I just got the chills. So, so you, that's the four-minute mile. When you're on the go 24-7 like me, guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. <laughs> and that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me. From working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials, it's been my go-to for so many years. And having everything in one place is such a time saver for me. With being a first-time mom, for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully our jobs and everything in between, but it's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're going to love it. All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused 
on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, Plus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of Wonderful Pistachios. You're going to love them. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's Frizi Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. As a first-time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery. <laughs> you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. (laughs) Bonus, wonderful pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, They keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. I always laugh when it's a a physician or not laugh. I'm always like, kind of like, wow, because how can they go back to the other way when they know this is a much more powerful and much more successful way? That's... Well, once you know, you can't not know, right? But the cool thing is, is that the conversations that we're having with physicians and researchers now, I mean, our data, people say, are you saying meditation does this, meditation does that? I say, no, 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 I'm not saying that the data is saying that. I'm I'm really, I keep telling the scientists, I'm more surprised than anybody. (laughs) I'm really, I keep saying, wow, I can't believe this is the truth. I can't believe it because... This is no longer pseudoscience. This is this is the real deal. So, so when the when we see a cancer researcher standing on the stage with a sarcoma, uh, and, and she's tried every chemo and every uh, drug trial, and 
and she's not getting mentored. She starts to realize she has to change, and the science makes sense to her. The application, the personalization, the initiation is something that she does because nothing else is working, so she's got to believe in this possibility, and in order for her to do that, she has to believe in herself, and lo and behold, she found the cure for cancer, and it's been within her yeah. the whole entire time. So, well, it's so, like Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz. Well, yeah. It's like you had the power all along. Yeah, exactly. So, so we, have, we have that testimony that's so exciting, and then we have such great scientific evidence, you know, and evidence really is the voice mm-hmm. now. And so I think that when people become aware that it is possible, once you're conscious of something that you're unconscious about and you actually see the four-minute mile in front mm-hmm. of you, um, you're more prone to actually accept, believe, and surrender that it's possible for you. And I think uh, we see this at week-long events, just like a, an infection spreads amongst the community and creates disease, health and wellness becomes as infectious as disease. And the data keeps surprising us, surprising us, surprising us. And these are common people, mm-hmm. uh, just like you and I. So, so the concept of transformation is a really important message. And, and we use meditation as the mechanism because I want people to become so familiar with their old personality self that they don't default anymore and keep reaffirming that new personality. They gotta, it's so much easier to forget that vision than mm-hmm. to remember it. So you gotta constantly remind yourself, reproduce the same level of mind. You gotta constantly emotionally embrace it. Keep conditioning the body, the thought and the feeling, the image and the emotion, the stimulus and response. You're conditioning your body into the future instead of waking up every morning and remembering your problems and those problems are associated with people and objects and things at certain times and places and every one of those problems has an emotion associated with it. So people are remembering their past and they're feeling the emotions. They're firing and wiring the same circuits and feeling the same emotion. They're conditioning their body into the past and that's why change is so hard because the moment you step out from doing the same thing and making a different choice, there's going to be some discomfort because the body subconsciously has been programmed emotionally into the past. So the, the moment you make a different choice, you're stepping out of the known into the unknown. The body starts influencing the mind to return back to the familiar place. That's why people have difficulty changing. And yet, if meditation is the model to become f- so familiar with your old self and so familiar with your new self, how many times do we have to forget until we stop forgetting and start remembering? That's the moment called change, mm-hmm. okay? Give people the tools and let them practice, and they'll actually start enjoying it. Okay. But if you're not being defined by a vision of the future, uh, I assert you're left with the memories of the past, and you'll be predictable in your life. So you wake up in the morning, you see your coworker, you see your husband, you see you're on a Zoom call, you're picking up your cell phone. For most people, it's the environment that's actually causing them to think and feel equal to everything that they know. So it's not their personality that's creating their personal reality. It's their personal reality that's reaffirming their personality. It's their environment Mm. that's controlling the way they feel and the way they think. Why? Because every person, your husband, your coworkers, your, your employees, your dog, your cell phone, every one of those things, you have a neurological network that you've actually created because you've experienced them. And because you've experienced them, you have an emotion associated with them. So if we're not being defined by a vision of the future, when we see the same people and we go to the same places and we do the exact same thing at the exact same time, the environment is controlling the way we feel and the way we think. But if how we think and how we feel 
actually creates our life, as long as we're thinking equal to everything that we know, everything stays the same because nothing changes in our life until we change. Okay, so the conditioning process, the thought and the feeling, the memory and the emotion, you're thinking in the past when you remember your problems, you feel the emotion associated with it, you're conditioning your body to become the mind of that emotion, and it's so objective, it's believing it's living in the same past experience 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, and now you're headed in a very specific genetic outcome. Okay, you get up, you get up in the morning, you do the same thing as you did yesterday, you go through this whole routine, and you keep doing that, your body's on autopilot now, and a habit is a redundant set of automatic unconscious thoughts, behaviors, and emotions that's acquired through repetition. Habit is when you've done something so many times, the body actually knows now how to do it better than your conscious mind. That means <laughs> your body is the mind that's dragging you into that predictable future based on what you did in the past, and you lost your free will mm. to a set of programs. Yep. So then, okay, so meditation then becomes really, really essential because we're either living in the familiar past, which is the conditioning process emotionally, or the predictable future, which is the habituation, right? Yeah. That's the anticipation of the same, of yeah, the Yeah, you're just being dragged in the future and just like a rag doll thrown around. That's, that's what it feels like. And that's karma. You just take up your yesterday and just lift it up and set it on your tomorrow, mm. and you're... you're, you're there's no unseen hand doing that to us. So, okay, so now let's think about meditation and demystify it another way. Okay, the environment is that seductive. It'd be a really good idea to close my eyes and disconnect from the environment. Let me play some music in the background so I can't hear the coffee maker. Uh, I'll close the door. It'll, the music will fill the space. I won't hear all, any ambient sounds. Okay, let me sit my body down. It's been the mind. I've programmed it to be this way. It's Explain always, that for people because that's yeah. always hard. Okay, so you sit down in a meditation. Five minutes goes by and you start getting impatient. Uh, well, what's impatience? That's your body saying, hey, what's going on? I need some emotional... I need something from my environment, and we need to get up and do something. The moment you start wanting to get up and do something, most people would say, I, I really can't meditate, and they quit. That's because the program, the will, the, they've lost their free will to that program. But if you say, um, that's not going to happen today, no. And you say, get over here, and you settle your body back into the present moment. You learn how to do that. Or as you say, You're, tame the beast. Yeah, well, you are settling down the animal. And when you do that, you're executing a will that's greater than the program. Then your body says, hey, Maria, it's uh, 8 o'clock in the morning. This is when you usually watch the news and have a, an emotional storm. Uh, you're sitting in a meditation. Okay, well, let me help you out with some memories from your past so you could actually feel that arousal. And you notice your body started getting angry and started getting agitated. And most people say, I can't meditate. But if you say, oh, that's my body, which has been conditioned emotionally to be that way, it's going to go back to the past. Ah, let me bring it back to the present moment. Let's understand how to do that. Let's learn the formula. And if you're laboring for the present moment and you're telling the body it's no longer the mind, that you're the mind, just like training an animal, sooner or later it's going to surrender to a new mind. And when it does, there's a liberation of energy. And the person actually relaxes into the present moment, the sweet spot of the generous present moment. And does, does it take effort? Absolutely. But if you ask everybody who does it, or who has done it, they'll say it's always worth the effort. So then meditation becomes really instrumental because to change is to be greater than your body, to be greater than your environment, to be greater than time. And meditation is a great way to disconnect from your environment, to get beyond your body and all of its drives and its emotions and habits. And not 
try to anticipate what's going to happen in the predictable future or keep romancing the familiar past and the memories and the feelings you you got to get beyond that that's the that's that's the known the only place where the unknown could exist is the sweet spot of that present moment and teaching people how to stay relaxed in their heart and awake in their brain that somehow seems to make a significant change in a person's attitude and their biology and their health and everything else Mm-hmm. I know. Meditative pose. In a meditative pose, he's a he's a yogi, right? And like I call him an ancient yogi. And he's sitting there and I'm watching him and he's doing this crazy thing with his chest. <laughs> like this. In out, in out, breathing, but I get nearer and nearer. Every day I go back. Now I give up on the bus stop. I'm more intrigued by who this is. It's just like interesting for me at the time because I've already read the book, The Secret. I'm kind of interested by this stuff. So I'm looking at him. And then one of the final days of me on this trip, I, I near him and he says, come over. I've seen you every day. I'm like, how have you seen me? I thought I was like hiding in the bushes. He's like, come over. And I'm like, okay. He's like, would you like to try it? And I'm like, yeah, sure. So I sit next to him in his broken English. He's like, I'm going to teach you about the breath. And I'm like, what is, what do you mean? And I'd be like, what are you doing? And he's like, the breath, Natasha can either heal you or kill you. That was the most profound words that I ever heard. And to this day, I would never forget them. So it turns out he wasn't 74. He was 104 years old. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's like totally off the grid. This just amazing, amazing human. He's so healthy. He said he lives on the breath and light. And I don't even think that's what yogis you can. They say yogi camera is like you can get your nutrition from the sun, from the air, from breathing. It doesn't always have to be from food. This is it. So he literally lived on the breath and light, which to me again at the time, he's a breatharian. I was like, well, I don't even understand this. He looked phenomenal for his age. My mind blowing. Okay. So he taught me how to breathe. He said, my great grandfather taught me this breathing exercise. My great grandfather's great grandfather taught him, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we're looking at something which has been passed down through the generations and now it's in my hands. And he showed me how to breathe, to heal. At the time, I didn't think about it. I learned it, I practiced it, and I put it to bed. Fast forward to when I had the illness in 2017, to almost a decade later. I was doing the meditation, so back to the day now. I'm sitting on my laptop trying to meditate, trying to overcome this illness, and thinking of all the things I could do to overcome it. I'm I'm definitely doing a lot of healing, but I'm not there, and I, I don't understand why. So I meditate, but it's not going in. So I find in my little diary that I used to write his address and I write him a letter. Eventually, blah, 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 blah. Fast forward, we end up on Zoom or whatever it was, video, Skype. I don't know what it was. We were on a video call. The off the grid Cypress man got on a video call? Yeah, 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 (laughs) which is amazing. So he he was 104 when I was on the phone to my guest. So however old that was, right? So he must have been 94 when I met him, whatever. So this is fascinating. So I'm sitting and I haven't heard from him since. So now I'm like, I don't, you know, God bless it. We don't know where he is, but I'm sitting on this thing with him. And every time I do the breathing with him, I'm like, thank you. That's like three times with me. And that was the last I heard. Every time I shut down the phone or the laptop, instead of just going about my day, I was already really high on my own breath in this state of Zen. I would lay down and hit play on a guided meditation. 
And then I would meditate and I would go into this Zen of healing. Mm-hmm. But because I was already in a, a higher altered vibration state of awareness, I was already in the alpha and theta state. I was able to reprogram my mind. And there and behold was born the MBS method. Wow. I, I like that because sometimes when I have to meditate or when it's like, okay, I'm going to go meditate, I'll realize I'm tired. And I'll say, you know what? I'm not going to have a good t- uh, meditation if I'm tired. So I'll take a nap and then I'll meditate. Wow. And those are my most powerful meditations because you've already brought yourself down. Yes. Like similar to the breathing, it brought you to a really like yes. Zen place. So then it's a little bit more effective. Oh, so so effective. Like when you meditate, most people, they, they, they're already kind of meditating when they're breathing, but putting the two together and then when you meditate in that state, you now remove the self-limiting belief. And that really is only one main limiting belief that's blocking you from everything. And it usually, when you go deeper and deeper and deeper, it sounds like, I don't feel worthy of love. I don't feel worthy of freedom. I don't feel worthy of financial abundance. It sounds like that. Just that's really, it comes down to not feeling worthy of something. Mm -hmm. And that blocks you from everything in life. So we remove the main blockage and we then replace it in that altered state of awareness with a new belief about yourself, which sounds like, I do feel worthy of love. I do feel worthy of whatever it is you want to achieve. And you reprogram your mind. You anchor it in by holding a certain part of your body. And then you come out the other side having reprogrammed what you want. But the breathing is so important. There is certain breath work for certain manifestations. And so how long does it take to see results technically? I mean, I'm sure it's varied, but is there some... Yeah. So um, another client of mine manifested into her life 500,000. She's now heading to the million mark and she did that in one year. Wow. So she's a really great financial one that I've seen because it's outside the box. You know, it's those sort of things I, I like, are like, wow, you know, good to see in business. It really does work in business as well. Um, I would say three sessions is an amazing time to see some kind of massive breakthrough. Some people it will work on session one, 30 days of it, you're, you're seeing a positive impact in your life a positive change in your life. But the the thing that's so powerful about the MBS method is the longevity that comes with it. Is that when you do it, you're creating long-lasting positivity and change in your life. So at the moment, we are starting finally, which is so exciting, to do practices and uh, MRI scans and EEGs with patients and people who are doing the MBS method to show the change on their brain, to show that it has been proven to, once it's all done, be proven, it will be proven, to help you improve your state of happiness. Mm. So that's all I want to do is help people be happier. But it's funny because if I tell you, hey, drink this water, it's going to make you happy. Even if drinking this water genuinely makes me happy, some people still need to see the science behind it. Yeah, And, they, and that's okay. So I like just, seeing the science. Totally. I'm, I'm all in. On, on woo-woo and all of that. But when I see science, something clicks in the brain that makes it that much more possible. That's why I really loved Dr. Jokes. I was like, he's scientific. He's doing the same thing. He's yeah. He's got neuro um, MRIs and neurologists studying everything. So that when something is science-backed, it's more tangible for somebody. Totally. 
And, and I think it's really smart that you're doing that because yeah. obviously you're getting results, you're getting the reviews, people are coming to you and telling you about their successes. Ever since I started meditating, I've used it in moments where I'm like, okay, I'm going to meditate about this person. They're being not nice and unkind, and I'm going to get them to be kind to me. And so I remember vividly having this like really important meditation before I was going to go to this event and see this nasty person who was unkind. And I was like, you will be kind to me. <laughs> you will be nice. And I ended up showing up. And this person who was very unkind became very, very kind. And I did it with my husband when we got into a fight once. I was like, all right, let me try this. So we got into a fight, stupid fight. He goes to his office. I go to my office. And I was like, all right, we could do the same old, same old, or I could try something. And so I did this thing. I sound so kooky, but... I visualized like love hearts coming from my heart and going into his heart. I saw him sitting in his chair at his desk and I would send them right into his heart. And my husband got out of his chair, came into my office, didn't say a word, just kissed me on the cheek and then left. And that's not him. Right. So I know all of this is possible, which is kind of weird because it kind of makes it seem like, you can control people, <laughs> but but I, I don't think it's that. I don't think it's that. So it's so I, influencing good. It's good energy yeah. is what it is. But I know someone could interpret it the other way. So the the William Broad studies at the San Antonio Mindstein's Institute they <clears> they hooked up receivers to nineteen machines that measured all of these different biological responses: skin resistance, heart rate, breathing rate brain activity, and then there would be senders in a different room. And at a specific time, they would tell the senders, think good thoughts about the assigned receiver. So maybe at 1.53 p.m., the senders had to send positive thoughts to the receiver. And at exactly that moment, these machines would show a shift. The person might get more relaxed. Their heart rate might, might show a healthier pattern. Their brain activity might slow down to the alpha level at exactly the point someone was sending them good vibes. And so I believe we're all connected. I mean, we see this in animals as well, right? Mm -hmm. Like animals sometimes <clears throat> seem to communicate uh, like the hundred monkey theory. As soon as a monkey on one island in Japan learns to say, use a rock to open a shellfish, other monkeys in that same island start imitating him. And that's expected imitation. But then when about a hundred monkeys or so are doing it on a remote island far away other monkeys of the same species suddenly start doing the same behavior. The bananas. And so oh, I that's funny. <laughs> yeah. So I believe that we are all connected in a beautiful way. In yeah. my book, The Six-Phase Meditation, we kick off the six-phase protocol with that. You see the face of someone you love and you beam them love. And then you feel that love that you're sending them in your heart. And you use that as a starting point for all the other juicy, magical aspects of the six phase. Isn't it funny? <clears throat> I wanted to tell you that story because of that, which was so funny. But I've, I wonder if that meditation you did initially worked, why not use that? The meditation I did initially? Yeah. Well, the meditation what was, I did the initially was, was called Silva Ultramine, and we did use it. The founder, Jose Silva, passed away in 1999. I went deep into his work. I became a qualified instructor. That was what I was teaching for five years. And Mind Valley started really as a tiny little website to get people into my meditation class. 
and then it blew up into a massive company, and now we're the biggest, um, the biggest personal growth platform in the world. It's been a decade-long journey, right? But it started out with that. So the Silva family came to me and they asked me to rejuvenate their father's work. And I did do that. And so I teach Silva Ultramine online on Mind Valley. But Silva Ultramine is a very advanced protocol. It's not for everyone. Mm-hmm. But for my daily practice, I do the six phase. And the six phase is very heavily influenced by the work of meditation pioneers like Jose Silva, but also research institutes like the HeartMath Institute, and then scientists who have studied gratitude, forgiveness. It's influenced by uh, Dave Asprey's 40 Years of Zen. So what I wanted to do was, I've interviewed about a thousand people, pretty much like you, and I wanted to create something that was agnostic. I love the work of Jose Silva, but I'm not going to say only follow his protocol. So in the sixth phase, I combined protocols that were inspired from conversations and learning time with not just Jose Silva, but Neil Donald Walsh, who wrote Conversations with God, the work of Esther Hicks. And and it just is like a balance, right? So you're loving everything else, but you do have to love yourself too. Um, I added something new into my practice every day where it's like, what did I do that was loving today to myself? And what did I do that maybe wasn't so loving? So I'm like checking in with myself. So like I actually make better decisions throughout my day and say, no, I don't think I can go do that. Right. Even though I have it scheduled, I it will be very unloving to me for me to, you know, stress myself out further than I am now and and redline harder or whatever it is. So it's made me be more conscious about my decisions. And I think that adding that last step to the loving practice of, you know, loving everyone else, yeah. you gotta love yourself. Is, is a reminder of some of the good things because we focus on the bad things so much, mm-hmm. right? Where we failed, where we are flawed, where we're not, you know, where we want to be. I also tell my body, I love every part of my system. I'm like, I love you endocrine system. I love you digestive oh, system. Oh, I love that you do that. I love you skeletal system. I love you skin. I go through the whole thing and I talk to my cells and, and I tell them, I'm like, okay, whichever ones of you have yeah. to work, I get it. You got to work. Okay. We all got to work. Any of you can go to sleep right now. Go to sleep and heal. And then I tell every part of my body that I love it. And I tell like all the different organs and, and then I go to sleep. <laughs> I bet that has, that has an incredible effect on your health. I'm trying to have it make an incredible effect for sure. It, it, I'm, I'm sure it does. Like loving your body is one of the best ways to keep your body healthy. Mm-hmm. And it's surprising how difficult self-love is. So I was interviewing Kamal Ravikant. He's an author and... He spoke about how he went through, so he's, he's a Silicon Valley guy, former U.S. Army vet, um, an author, brilliant man. He wrote a book called Love Yourself Like Your Life Depended On It. Really, really good book. And he spoke about how he was going through a massive crisis in his life, depression, failed relationship, bad health. And he decided that it was, he really didn't love himself. And so he started doing a simple exercise. He would look in the mirror, look at one eye, And just pay attention to that one eye for one minute. And he'd do this as he was brushing his teeth every morning and just say, I love you. I love you. I love you. And it sounds so simple, but he said that simple thing pulled him out of the shitstorm he Mm. was in. He wrote a book about it. And um, I've heard so many people say that this simple practice of truly loving yourself changes everything. It makes you less needy in relationships. In many cases, they see healings happen. I'm not talking about like serious disease. I'm talking about anxiety, stress, yeah. insomnia, 
all of this Which is just serious. from that quality of love. That is serious. Yeah. Insomnia is Insomnia so you go psychotic. You right. I mean, it's there's those are very serious. Anxiety, all of it. Um, and so I want to suggest that people listening to this right now, if you feel that self-love is an issue, practice that mirror technique. And again, I want to cite the sauce that's Kamal Rabikant. And also in uh, phase two of the sixth phase, we go really deep in the understanding of that and the practice of that. And then once you start instituting this in your daily protocol, your daily six-phase protocol, self-love just becomes a natural thing. But it doesn't make you an asshole. It doesn't inflate <laughs> your ego because remember, you start with compassion. Yeah, I love that. I feel like the show, the whole point I always say is we want to get better in all areas of life. It's like grab a tool that connects with you, put it in your toolbox. Right. As I'm sitting here thinking about my my everyday practices, it's a lot. I do a lot of things now. and But it it's been... You know, an accumulation that's been right. patient and slow, so it's not something that I overwhelm myself with. But um, I'm feeling really good about it as I'm sitting here thinking about all of them. Um, it's nice, but it does take time, and you well, have to devote time to it. Well, I mean, it depends on how you do it, right? There are certain practices that take hours. I'm not a big fan of meditation protocols that take hours. I think that's selfish. It is selfish to tell someone, do my method one hour every day. And some meditation schools do that. And the reason I say it's selfish is because, yes, it can make you bliss, blissful. Oh, it feels so good. But we have kids. We have pets. We have spouses. We have careers. We have work. We have a body. The reason I did the sixth phase is because I wanted to show people that you can get incredible meditation benefits in 15 minutes and even go beyond traditional meditation benefits. And so what I was seeking to do was to find the most effective protocols that work in the tiniest amount of time. Yeah, well, I think a lot of people don't have the time for it for sure. Yeah. Um, so when we talk about consciousness and, and kind of awakening to our consciousness, Meditation or total meditation is a way to reach it. Yeah. And then in there, you're connected to your soul, as you said, and, and, and awake, right? Yeah. yeah. Now, so you say, what happens when we're there? What are the qualities of the soul? Or which is the same thing as saying, what are the qualities of consciousness? But when, when we say soul, we're meaning personal consciousness, your consciousness. Okay. The, the one that you came with when you were born. Okay. You were born, you were a conscious being, even though you didn't have yet a fully developed personality or mind, you didn't know language, you didn't even know that you were given a name or that you were whatever race or history or, you know, financial history, economic history, parental history. So much went to create the you that when you were born. So you already came with a lot of stuff, which is cultural and, you know, parental and all that. But you were conscious that consciousness was your soul. When we look at that consciousness, before it has become the conditioned mind, 
it has certain qualities. Number one, it's open to all possibilities, infinite possibilities. I take a child born in the gutters of Calcutta and bring him to Boston. And, you know, he has wealthy parents, has a nanny, speaks five languages, gets a PhD from Harvard, and maybe one day runs for president. Was like Kamala Harris. I mean, look at her background, right? Uh, from uh, from uh, the islands and a mother from India, and now she's vice president of the country. Why? Because her consciousness was exposed to a broader range of experiences than, say, a child born in gutter in Calcutta. But that child born in a gutter in Calcutta has exactly the same potential as her or anybody else or Einstein. So your consciousness, when it is pure, without conditioning, is infinite possibility, number one. Number two, it's connected to everything else in the universe because consciousness is one. Minds are many, but consciousness is one. So it's connected to everything else. Number three, it automatically, look at a child, full of wonder, curiosity, love. You know, child looks at you, wants to look at your eyes, so can catch your eyes and give you a smile. Okay. So it's automatically radiating love. It is automatically evolving. It can learn anything. Give it five languages, it'll learn five languages. Teach it music, it'll learn music. Expose it to tennis, it'll learn tennis. Mathematics, sure. Of course, certain people are more strong in other areas, but consciousness at all times is infinite possibilities. It's at all times is self-regulating, self-evolving. At all times, love, empathy, compassion, kind, at ease and not afraid of death. Death is a concept that we acquire when we get a mind. Okay? And the mind says, oh, you know, everybody dies. So you'll also die. And that's true, biologically speaking, but you're not dying. What is dying is the body-mind experience this time around. Okay? Because consciousness being outside of space-time is not subject to birth and death. So what is consciousness? What is the advantage of accessing consciousness? At all times, you live in possibility. At all times, you live in love. At all times, you are creative. At all times, you are evolving and learning. At all times, your body regulates itself because it's not distracted by stresses and all that. Consciousness is the key to ultimate healing, what we call spiritual healing, which means going even beyond the fear of death because death happens to the body-mind experience, a particular software program in consciousness. But, you know, the software is not the person who created the software. Am I making sense? Yes, absolutely. Um, I feel like, um, you know, consciousness if it's everything, that means we share consciousness, right? We have the same consciousness programmed into a different body-mind experience. Mm -hmm. Like electricity is now powering my iPhone, but also my Fitbit and also this room and also the TV set and also this uh, Zoom. So, but it's one electricity, right? Mm -hmm. And it powers everything in my city, 
but also on the planet. If I look at this, this planet from the outer space at night, the whole thing is lit up. At least half mm -hmm. half the planet <clears throat> is lit up because of electro electricity, right? So consciousness is one. Minds are innumerable. Bodies are innumerable. But the essence of what sparks the mind and body is consciousness. So when you know all of this, you realize how petty and stupid everyday life is. Yes, but you dare not say it. <laughs> You're a jerk. But it's true. Think about yeah. what we put meaning to, what we give what we give meaning to and what we're fighting about. Like you said, squabbles and all the bullshit. Like none of this matters. If the earth is one sand grain, <laughs> I mean not other than that. No, not even that. As, as a biological organism, you're not on scale even the size of COVID-19. But you can play havoc with the universe. And we're doing it. Climate change and all these pandemics and poison in our food chain and wars and mechanized death and cyber hacking and Putin and Trump and Kim Jong and <laughs> all these guys. They're just a waste of time. They're gangsters who haven't graduated beyond kindergarten. Yeah. And who need this? So one of the things um, I really loved, um, I mean, there's so many things I want to get to with you, but um, I really loved, um, first of all, I thought the book was really easy to read and understand, and I really appreciated this. But I loved um, the, let me see here. There's a chapter in here where we talk about the steps into meditation mode. And I love the descriptions of each kind of step, like mindfulness is the way your mind recovers from distraction. Reflection is the way your mind recovers from thoughtlessness. And I started like marking all of these. Contemplation is the way your mind recovers from confusion. Concentration is the way your mind recovers from pointlessness. Prayer is the way your mind recovers from helplessness. This is so cool. Quiet mind is the way your mind recovers from overwork. Controlled breathing is the way your mind recovers from stress, which we'll talk about vagal breathing in a second. And bliss is the way your mind recovers from suffering. I thought that was such a great way to kind of explain all of those steps. And, and those are the steps that get you into meditation mode. So is it just one thing after the other is like, how you kind of get into that total meditation. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be all of them. You know, it can be just one of them. Uh, those are all different aspects of meditation. So you can do one, you can do the other. You can, you can play with it. This is what it is. Awareness is meant to be played with and given meaning to and given purpose. And then it affects everything. Your personal health, your relationships, your social interactions your choices, what you eat, how you sleep, how you interact with the world, how you do business, all reflects your deeper values, which you know when you practice those techniques. Because mm -hmm. you now have clear mind to, to, to be aware of what you're getting caught up in, right? Yeah, with clear mind. And I would allow the field to kind of take me. I would go in with an intention, but I wasn't so focused on it. And on top of that, um, and I'm not exactly sure when this 
fell into the sequence of events, but I learned from this friend of mine how to create in your imagination a place to meditate. So mine is a hut. I can see the floor. It's a sandstone, like soaps, like soapstone floor. I can see the carpet, the walls with these purple flowers, real flowers hanging off of them. Oh, wow. I can see the the <clears throat> chase lounge and the cozy chair to sit there and the bookshelves and the plants and the bookshelf with a big leather bound book with my name on it that would have words in it, you know, and, um, and I would go in there and I would meditate. And that was quote, the soul energy place to meditate. I would fly out of the roof and go, you know, bopping around. Um, I would come back in, I would go out of body. I created a healing room that I could get to from this hut that was over a bridge with these incredible waterfalls and green everywhere. It's like the Amazon. And then it would go into a cave and and then go through the cave into a flagstone path. And there was this little thatched house and that was my healing house. And I would go in and I, that's where I would meet the healing guides and the, and the healers and, and have all kinds of stuff that went on. There. Wow. This is what I do at night, you know, and then I would, I would have these wild experiences. And then I had a lagoon, which um, is something you might want to think about. And that is where I would go and meet my mom. And I was extremely close to my mom. And so I really, really identified the anxiety and all that stuff that you're going through. And so I would go and meet her. And also sometimes my father would show up. Sometimes Lisa would show up. And that was the place that I would go to meet with people that had, uh, that already had passed. And so that was what I did at night. Wow. Okay. That's amazing. Um, Then you went into maintenance. Then I went into maintenance. Cancer start come back. Not good. Um, that this is now, so you didn't go into your healing hut anymore. Well, no, I have to, you know, I'm kind of thinking now that I'm saying all this, that's why I said, I didn't know the sequences of events, the healing hut and this hut came after it came back. Okay. And I did that night and I'm sorry, I'm realizing that, um, that that came a bit later and it's came back, came back, came back. And I didn't feel bad though. I didn't have any symptoms. I looked perfectly healthy. My oncologist would always be like, this is so weird because you have no symptoms and you should have pain. And I had zero. And this one on now we're into April, 2020, uh, uh, April, 2021, sorry, last year. So a year ago, I went to a Joe Dispenza um, event as well. And uh, that's actually where I met Hemel. And that's where I had the mystical experience um, that I mentioned at the Joe Dispenza event where I saw myself old and it wasn't, you know, how you meditate. It's all kind of a little bit, you know, fuzzy, real, but fuzzy. This was really me standing there old. I mean, it was jarring. And I only had had that two other times with my mother when she showed up and it was like, she was there and I could see her and like really fool. And uh, I, recognized that it was me because she had on once she looked like me old, but she had on my necklace that I was wear, which is my meditation symbol, which is a double H. Oh, wow. So I knew it was her and I was just crying and uh, really emotional. Cause I realized, Oh yeah, I lived cause she looked really old, like pushing 90 old. And I just was staring at her and ran over to her. She was by a lake near my house. And I'm like, yeah, I just like couldn't speak. You know, I would, and she just was hugging me and held my face. And she said, do not worry. Do not worry. You're going to live an incredible life. And she put my head on her chest. And I remember just crying. I can see the wrinkles on her chest, which she had on the whole thing. And then all of a sudden I was out. And 
I knew that that was a really, really special moment. And it was a huge gift. And I also realized also after speaking about it with a friend of mine, she said, she goes, I don't want to bum you out, but I think that's a really a huge gift, but you're going to need it when things could potentially get worse. And, and I actually thought, Oh, geez, I bet that's true. That they, that they, they, you know, spirit, universe, guides, angels, whoever you want to call it, that they gave this to me as a, something to hold on to. And, and it got way worse. So one quick question, Evie, and Kelsey, if you have any questions thus far, let me know. Were you a meditator before this? No, I, well, I downloaded the Calm app Yeah, when I had it the first time and I did meditate. I would do like different Calm stuff, but I, after I, you know, after I was well, I maybe once a week, maybe twice a week. I didn't do much. No. Yeah. But you were that typical overachieving type A hustle hard kind of woman. Correct. Okay. So things get worse. Tell us how, how, what happened? Well, really bad. So by August, um, it had hit my liver in a huge way and my, it was all over my spine. You couldn't even see my spine. It was just covered in tumors, my shoulders, my pelvis, my hips, um, arms, uh, it started to go into my arms and, um, I still had zero symptoms, zero. And my oncologist said, you should look like you're dying. I don't understand this. And he wanted me to go immediately in chemo. I was scheduled to go the uh, uh, to, to Marco Island, um, for, and then, you know, Dr. Jovet also had meetings there because of now I was on the board of inner science. And, uh, I was like, I'm not staying here. I'm going, I kind of deal with him that I would do some tests before I left. Um, and that's where it went South. I had a biopsy and on the way home from the biopsy, I I was really upset at this point because I thought, how did I not fix this? And I ran into a friend of mine who she's in the Ayurveda stuff, very good friend. She's a big hold up the mirror person to you. And I was telling her how angry I was with myself. I was furious with myself. How could I do this to my kids? How could I do this to my husband? And that's when she just looked at me. She's like, do you have any idea how she used the worse word than screwed up? This is. And I just looked at her and she said, you need to love yourself. You need to be kind to yourself. And I was first defensive. Mm. Of course I love my source. And she goes, no, you're not. You are not kind to yourself and you are not loving yourself. You need to do something about that. She was really like, wow. And I went home and I sent her a WhatsApp and I just said, thank you. Aha moment. Huge. And so I start, I did Louise Hayes. because She's all about that. So I started watching Louise Hayes. Stuff, and then at that Within four hours, my whole body seized up from neck to ankle, couldn't, could hardly move, crazy pain. The hospital had no idea why that would be. There, my uh, integrated doctor believes that because I was so totally imbalanced with spirituality, my exercise, diet, extra, all of that stuff, that I threw it way out of balance by sticking something in and pulling something out. And he said that he had seen that uh, before. And um, I ended up you know, basically crawling onto that plane. My husband was a, like just a dreamboat organizing it all because I was insistent that I went. And by the time I left that week, I had coherence healings. I went through the week that you went through. I went in, in a wheelchair. I couldn't walk. I literally, there was no way I was getting through the airport. And didn't you say to your husband, didn't you say to yourself at one point, there was something that hit me at that event that was so strong when you said, maybe I should just check out and let go. 
That's in November. That was just six months ago. Oh, wow. Okay. So sorry. I'm jumping point, ahead. Did, Go was, ahead. Yeah, no, there's that's more. I Shit. I forgot out. there's more. <laughs> now, I'll, I'll skip through the next quickly, but the, that, that week it was all about um, asking for forgiveness to my kids. Cause I felt guilty, which they didn't quite understand why I felt guilty, which was good to hear. Not quite understand. They didn't understand at all. Um, and then it was about being kind and loving yourself. That was a hard one. You know, you have to say, I love you and your name and I love you every chance. And that was so uncomfortable to say, but I just kept saying it and saying it and trying to really go into it. And the meditations were great. The coherence healings were great. I walked out of there, no pain, no pain meds anymore. You went in with a wheelchair, went in with a wheelchair and unbearable pain and you walked out. Yep. Now, I'm going to qualify the wheelchair. The wheelchair was to get me through the airport and to the, uh, you know, to the hotel. But once I was at the hotel, I mean, I would shuffle along. I didn't carry anything, not even a water bottle because I couldn't take any weight. My husband would carry the pillow, everything, because I was just like this, you know, as I would walk along. And then by the end, um, I was totally fine. And you went home? Numbers improved. So I got to, they said, let's go for a critical trial. Weeks later, fell off a cliff, started getting, you know, that fell off the cliff. Things got getting worse, worse, worse. November rolls around and um, I just fell way off a cliff. And that was the moment where I had lost 25 pounds and I didn't have 25 pounds to lose, was on morphine, slept all the time. Um, And that was when I thought, Okay, this yeah, it's a flipping roller coaster, right? Yeah. <laughs> you get yeah. pretty tired. And I thought I could go and this could be easier for my husband and my kids so they don't have to watch this. Um, or I can try one more time. And I didn't really know how I was gonna try one more time because I had really no energy and I was in so much pain. I just would try to figure out how I could jump out of my body. I to get up to go to the bathroom was just you know, I was just would whirring with pain. And uh, just then one of my friends sent me a text and she said, you know, four things. You're in a dark place. You need to go to the light. And I was like, yeah, no kidding. Um, second was you have to stop blaming yourself and take thinking you're responsible for your healing. You're not. They are. Second was you have to stop doubting that you can heal. You never did. Now you do. And the third thing, which was the most difficult for me, is you need to surrender. You need to give this over. And that's what I worked on. I decided, damn it, I'm going for it. And um, I would hang out in the jacuzzi, I'd meditate hours a day, got better over weeks, still had, still knew that I hadn't quite broken the dam. I stayed up all night, that magic one to four, as you mentioned, Maria. And all of a sudden, I just, I literally, I did everything. I was like pushing it out of me. I was, like, I'm giving it to you. I'm giving it to you. I would literally physically like be pushing it out. And all of a sudden I knew I crashed through because I just, I mean, I went like this, my arm went on the floor and I looked at my husband, like, what the hell this hit the house? He was sound asleep. And then all in a split second. And then all of a sudden it was like, you know, bliss, euphoric, all the pain was gone. I was laughing, crying. I knew I did it. 
This podcast and all related content published or distributed by or on behalf of Maria Menunos or MariaMenunos.com is for informational purposes only and may include information that is general in nature and that is not specific to you. Any information or opinions expressed or contained herein are not intended to serve as or replace medical advice, nor to diagnose, prescribe, or treat any disease, condition, illness, or injury, and you should consult the healthcare professional of your choice regarding all matters concerning your health, including before beginning any exercise, weight loss, or healthcare program. If you have or suspect you may have a healthcare emergency, please contact a qualified healthcare professional for treatment. Any information or opinions provided by a guest expert or host featured within website or on company's podcast are their own, not those of Maria Menounos or the company. Accordingly, Maria Menounos and the company cannot be responsible for any results or consequences or actions you may take based on information or opinions.